It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. I am excited to talk with my guest today. Joining me is Eric Qualman, number one best-selling author and motivational speaker. Eric has performed in 45 countries, reached 23 million people just this decade. And his books include bestsellers like Socialnomics, How Social Media Transforms the Way We Live and Do Business, Digital Leader, Five Simple Keys to Success and Influence, and how to. S- and then today, we're going to talk about how to sell on LinkedIn, his latest book, How to Sell on LinkedIn, 30 Tips in 30 Days. So, Eric, welcome to Accelerate. No, thanks for having me on, Accelerate. It's great to be here. Well, I appreciate it. So, uh, you know, I had sort of a skeleton introduction there. So, fill in the introduction a little bit. Tell us about yourself. Yeah, so my career has always been the digital side, a lot on the business side, but then in 2009, I wrote a book called Socialnomics just because I saw that I thought that was the greatest new thing in the change of communication. And my background was in digital and search. And then from there, the book went number one in eight countries. I got on stage and spoke. And then an agent said, you can make a career doing this. And fortunately, I had a background in speaking from my previous jobs as the head of marketing at Travelzoo. I worked at Yahoo back when they were kind of the Facebook of the day. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, And so I was very fortunate to be right place, right time, how you define luck. And so I've been doing that now for the last eight years. I've written five bestsellers. And as you mentioned, the latest is how to sell on LinkedIn. So it's been really fun. Uh, my, main, my main vocation, aside from writing, is I do motivational speeches for mainly large companies, Fortune 1000. So it's been a, it's been a great ride. And I've met a lot of great people like you. And so it's, it's an honor to be here. So first question for you then. And we're going to talk about this book. Yeah, how to sell on LinkedIn, which I really enjoyed. But the first thought question I had about that is, you know, here you wrote some really pretty brilliant thought leadership pieces, social nomics, digital leader, and then you come up with sort of a really sort of prescriptive how-to step-by-step guide for LinkedIn. So what was the impetus to write the book on LinkedIn? They always say if you want to write a book, write a book. And so the first one's always the hardest. Once you start writing, you're going to get an idea for another one. So part of it when I was writing what happens in Vegas stays on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I understood that there was a nuance of LinkedIn that need to go deep on. And then beyond that, the real impetus for it was when I was speaking at these large companies, a lot of the questions started to center on LinkedIn. So I'd touch on LinkedIn, how to sell just briefly. And then all of a sudden they'd really dig into that. And then I'd talk to them more and they'd say, yeah, we're trying to write guides for our sales team on how to sell on LinkedIn. We don't know what we're doing because I'm in social media and they've assigned this to me and I've never <laughs> sold anything in my life. Or I'm in this department in HR and they've handed us LinkedIn and I'm supposed to tell the sales team how they have to get a profile up in a summary. So the more meetings I sat in, especially at the C-level and also the sales level, I started to really, they told me basically, they gave me the idea that said, hey, if you could write a very digestible book for salespeople, it would be huge. And I'd go, I can do that. So then I'd I was fortunate to be able to put it together and, and put it very easy. I always say, take three minutes a day. You're in sales. I want you out there selling. So this book is just 30 tips in 30 days, less than three minutes a day. Cause I want you out there meeting people, having those coffees, having those lunches, and then augmenting it with LinkedIn to uh, go deeper with those contacts. Well, and that's really one that I was going to get to that a little bit later, but bring it up now, since you, you raised the subject to this one of the things that's different about your book is that you 
say, look, hey, it's not just, we're not going to do everything virtually here. We may connect virtually, but at some point, we got to talk face-to-face, person-to-person. And that that's what's missing from a lot of LinkedIn books. It's like, yeah, we can do it all online. It's like, no, 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 this is still sales, still people-to-people business. It is, and you got to use your EQ, your emotional intelligence more than your IQ. But at the end of the day, I always say these tools do not replace face-to-face. They're there when time and distance are an issue. They're there to deepen relationships, but if you don't use them properly, you're going to use them incorrectly, and it's going to be a, a lose-lose for both folks. And so that's really the the viewpoint of this entire book is those 30 tips really go, showcase, okay, this is where it matters offline, and here's how you combine it with the online together and working in harmony. Which is, I think, what makes it really important for people to pick up and read because, yeah, you don't get that that uh, <laughs> combined perspective very frequently. So you start off, sir, the book, we talk about, you have a lot of statistics, so I thought they were interesting for people to find out is, is uh, 45% more, I think most of these come from LinkedIn, is you know 45% more opportunities created if you're using social selling, three times more likely to achieve quota if you're deeply involved with it. Um, but the thing I thought was sort of interesting, you said 98% of reps with 5,000 plus connections achieve quota, which, you know, the caveat is that's not a clarion call to go out and rush out and make random connections. <laughs> no, it's not. I just thought that that was an interesting data point that it's essentially, if you're in there connecting, I talk about it as one of the tips, you got to network before you need the network. And a lot of us make the mistake of only networking when we actually need the favor or need the sale, or if it's right. transactional. And so I go in deep on a lot of the tips about don't view everything as a transaction. you got to play the long game, but in a short time frame. I know that sounds like an oxymoron, but it's, okay, play the long game, but in a hyper-accelerated path. So meaning that it might be a six-week process, but don't pepper the person three times within three days. It's, you know, start a conversation, a dialogue. And a lot of it's what you do in the offline world, but we forget that when we get online and we try to sell right away. And that turns people off, just like it would at a cocktail party. So that's why I'm trying to help people out on LinkedIn is that just like in the offline world, is there's an art to the conversation online as well. Yeah, when I think people take the perspective, as you said, as something they wouldn't do in an offline world, but online, they feel like they have a really limited period of time to make an impression. So they feel like they have to do it all the first time, the first outreach, the first interaction. No, you're exactly right. That's why I talk about, you know, listen first, sell last. And so as a salesperson, you're like, you're crazy. I got to meet my quota. I go, that's how you're going to meet your quota. And I, I actually do this. Like for our business, when I talked about, I get on stage is that my team, when they use LinkedIn, it's a, they take the longer approach uh, and it always works out in the end for us. So it's just listen first, what's their issue. And again, a lot of this stuff's old sales tips, but it's the same that applies online as well. All right, so let's let's dive into some of the tips. So I'm going to just highlight the ones I thought that you had some sort of different takes on from what normally people would have heard in some a book like this. Is one is constructing your your killer summary. Um, is you use the phrase you have to be likable, and and this is something that I imagine is probably not in the mind of a lot of people when they say, you know, I can make myself seem attractive but not likable. No, you're right. And when it comes down to the summary, to be specific on that, I give a specific tips on how to write it more of a story. Well, and so it's, it's as a dialogue, which I liked, you know, to use if you want to learn how to use real world languages, envision you're doing this dialogue with somebody, and that's the language you should use in your profile. Exactly. And it connects more with the person. They go, Oh, I understand that person. And so 
I don't have the script right in front of me, but what I wrote in the book was essentially if you're in con- this construction, let's say you're an architect or in the construction business, is you don't list out all the construction words and the fancy words that no one really understands that it doesn't make you human. It's really, hey, since we all got our favorite Christmas gift or we all got our favorite holiday gift and we all got our favorite birthday gift. Let's say it's, we all remember our favorite birthday gift. My favorite birthday gift was when I was eight years old. I got a Lego construction set. And since that time, I fell in love with the architecture behind construction. And that's why I've done it uh, all my life. And then you put in something about uh, what a client said. That's like, And that's why all of my clients have always been satisfied, satisfied. And they say the two things that they like best about me is I'm always on time and under budget. So whatever those two things are is that you're kind of selling in there a little bit. But at the same time, it's, it's a short story and try to keep it tight. And it's not you as a robot or a person as a robot. And the other caution you throw in, which I think is an excellent one, because too often people resort to this, is stay away from sort of the overblown adjectives, the world-class, the industry-leading, the so on and so forth. No, exactly. And the, like the four tenets I talk about on your summary is you've got to answer these questions. Is like, how and why you're going to be helpful and valuable partner? Are you likable? That's what we're talking about, about likability when you write it. Are you trustworthy? And what makes you unique and why is that so great? Um, and so that's, that's really the four pieces that you kind of want to cover off in your summary uh, in a short way. Uh, and we give specific details in the book about how you take an offline conversation and then put that into uh, a LinkedIn summary. Right. And I think that's a great way for people listening when you think about your summary is, yeah, imagine if you're talking to, as you said, talking to a friend offline about what you do and why you're passionate about what you do and how you help your customers. And I imagine when you're talking to your friend, you don't say, yeah, I'm a world-class expert in whatever or you know, the overblown language. So you get that real-world language, everyday language in there, which, which again, is a great tip for people. So the next thing that I thought was very interesting, you're talking about uh, finding prospects. And you went through a sort of series of steps about how to find influencers in your space and how to use them to surface prospects. And I... I thought was really interesting as you talk about, you know, you're engaging with uh, seeing what the thought leaders are interested in. You're seeing who's asking questions of the thought leaders. And oftentimes that then become prospects that may be a need of your product. No, you're exactly right. Everyone, there's always thought leaders in each space. And so you go out and find those folks. Um, A lot of them are LinkedIn. So if you go into LinkedIn groups, so whatever group is specific to your industry, uh, let's say that you manufacture ice cream. It might be the ice cream manufacturers group. And you go in there and then there's conversations within there. And it's usually the people that are asking the questions. The beautiful thing about LinkedIn, you can see their title, you can see their position. And often those questions are pointing out a challenge, an opportunity or a pain point that that person is currently facing. And so if you can help provide an answer in that forum to that person, then you're starting, one, you're now providing value to that person. But also, two, you've now identified a prospect of something that you can help solve their pain point or tackle that opportunity that they have out there for. So that's why I love a tool like LinkedIn, because it's kind of all out there in front of you. And like I just mentioned, is as a salesperson, you might be going, whoa, that might be a little bit of hard work. And I always say the great thing about hard work is going to separate you from the competition. That's the beautiful thing about it is that your competitor is not going to do that. So by you doing that, you're going to stand out. You provide that value. Uh, and at the end of the day, like I said, it's it's hard work, but it's it's not that many minutes invested in it to to find that those 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 prospects out there. Right, and without resorting to too old of a cliche about hard work, to reference what you talked about being lucky in the early part of the conversation is 
yeah, my father always told me the harder you work, the luckier you get. <laughs> so true. That's true. <laughs> so, uh, well, the other thing you said in there that I thought was, again, a nuance that interesting for people to absorb and to perhaps implement in their own profile is you talked about focus on the thought leaders in your space and then do some research, see what they have in common, and then adjust your profile to make sure that you're appealing to what that commonality is. Yeah, you're exactly right. Don't recreate the wheel. The beautiful thing about having over 7 billion people on the planet is that your idea is probably not necessarily a new one, but it is unique in the terms of how you utilize it or how you position it. So go look out at the the two or three people that you're aspiring to kind of become and see what the common traits they share on LinkedIn or what they're producing or their language, what they're writing, uh, where they're writing. And you can kind of utilize that go, okay, obviously the three commonalities are this. They're all centered on this word on LinkedIn and they're all centered around doing this type of video on LinkedIn or this type of blog post on LinkedIn. So that obviously seems to work. Uh, And so they've kind of done the R&D for you. They've paid it with their probably larger budgets. And then you can kind of take the best of best of what they do and then spin it to what's in your wheelhouse and what you're good at uh, and then go from there. And another tip you give is to compare your network with your competitor's network. So why is that important? Well, it's important to see who are they surrounded by, right? So we talk about the people's enabler, and we, we, we know that quite well, both offline, it's who you surround yourself with, and then also online. And so figure out who are they connected to and who they're connected with, uh, and then you can reach out to those folks as well. Try to find that commonality. Let's say you find these 20 people that they're connected with. Well, they're probably connected to hundreds, but you narrow it down to, hey, there's 20 that they're connected with that actually went to the same alma mater that I did. And so that's an easy way for me to connect with those people. Uh, And then now you're starting to run in the same circles. Right, which leads to the next topic we're going to want to talk about with warm introductions. And, um, yeah, it's something that, again, that oftentimes people aren't using correctly within LinkedIn because, you know, what they do is they may connect, see somebody has a second level connection with somebody they want to be in touch with. And they they ask for the introduction as opposed to you know asking for information about that person or what that person might be concerned about and so on. So, what other you know information do you have or tips you have for people to use LinkedIn for warm introductions? It all depends on the connection you have. That's why I always stress network before you need the network. So if you're constantly, I always say carve out three minutes a day. And all of us have three minutes a day. If you don't have to get a life, but everyone has three minutes they can carve out. And I talk about as one of the tips is posting it forward. And what posting it forward means is that each day you're going out and you might be endorsing someone on LinkedIn. That's an easy way. It takes a couple seconds to go out and endorse someone for a skill set. And it's going to send them alert that, hey, you know, Eric just endorsed you for this. So they're like, oh, that's really cool. It made me feel good that this person endorsed me. Uh, but the reason you're posting it forward is, number one, is the science shows it's going to make you feel good. It's the right thing to do as a human being. Uh, but the second thing is that obviously makes the recipient feel good as well, is that that is networking before you actually need the network and posting it forward every day for three minutes, um, whether it's endorsing someone or, or highlighting someone saying, hey, here's three thought leaders I respect in this space because of X, Y and Z. And you list their name is that long term. What that's going to allow for you to do is when you need that warm introduction, it's warmer in terms of asking for it. That at some point, maybe it was a month ago, you actually endorsed that person. Or a month ago, you you highlighted them and said, hey, congratulations to Jim on his brand new job. So when you reach out to them, it's actually not out of the blue after four years. Um, 
But when you do reach out, if there's anything you can do to provide a value to that person before you ask for that introduction, that'd be fantastic. Secondarily, is indicate why you want to be introduced to that person, the value that you're going to bring. Because we always protect our connections. And so we want to make sure that if we're providing that introduction, it's win-win-win. So win-win for the introducer, me, the person you're asking to introduce, as well as the person that's that's actually asked for it and also the person that's receiving it. So indicate why you want the introductions and what the value you're going to bring to that person by being introduced to them. And then that is a win-win-win scenario uh, for everyone. So that's a, a way to provide value throughout the chain. So that's what I strongly stress rather than just going, hey, can you introduce me to this person? Um, you actually go, you've posted it forward so it's not too cold of an entry. Secondarily, you've indicated why you want to be introduced to that person, the value you're going to bring to that person, uh, and then you go from there. Well, and the beauty about posting it forward is, is you know, people are familiar with uh, Robert Cialdini's book, Influence, is you know, one of the six core you know, fundamentals of influence is reciprocity. You know, it's sort of almost encoded in us. People do something for us. We feel sort of the, the, the human need to reciprocate and to do something for them. And so posting it forward certainly plays into that. that. Um, another thing that I think great point you made about the warm introductions is just that we too often assume that people know what we do or what we're interested in the introduction for. And you said you have to be very specific with the person that's connection that they understand exactly what you're looking for. No, you're exactly right. And um, I personally, like a lot of people, you love helping people out. So if it makes sense to introduce you to someone, you're happier than heck to do that. So don't also be afraid to ask for that introduction, um, especially if you have a good relationship with the person. Is that We do as human beings, and the neuroscience shows that we want to help each other. So yep. when you reach out to the person, some people are just afraid to ask for that introduction. Uh, but don't be afraid, especially if it's if a good relationship. Well, and then the last part on that, though, again, that you recommend, I thought was certainly different than what you see normally, is that is you recommend once you get that introduction, don't message within LinkedIn, but use use email for the outreach. Yeah, no, and a lot of people don't understand one of the greatest things about LinkedIn is if once you have a first connection with someone, you can hit the button. It's real high on the page. It's it's. A little hard to find, but look below their profile picture. There's a contact button. And if you click that, it usually opens up and drops down. It usually has their email address. And so that's a way to, if you don't have their email address, you can get it on LinkedIn. Most, A lot of people have their have it in that spot. Right. So once you have that first connection, you can get it. And then crazy enough, not to get too much into the weeds, because this is getting a little bit more technical than I do in the book. Uh, but you can actually, it's very easy to go in and Google how to download all your contacts from LinkedIn. And I got to think at some point LinkedIn's going to stop you from being able to do this. But the other day I downloaded 13,000 emails because all my connections on LinkedIn, you can actually download all the emails. <laughs> all right. Tip of the day. We're not going to tell <laughs> LinkedIn that it came from Eric. We just heard it. We just heard it on a podcast somewhere. Yeah, no, no, it's it's totally up front and above board. I'm just saying at some point I would think LinkedIn might not allow for you to do that or you'd have to charge to do that. But right now it's great. You can go just download all my contacts emails that are connected on LinkedIn. All right, everybody's sitting here. We'll give people a second to write that one down. So uh, so the next next thing you talk about, you mentioned this before, listen first, sell last. Um, one of the things I would... <laughs> I liked about that was was you talked about when you get to the sell stage, we talked about this before, is setting up offline meetings. 
So, you know, you've engaged in some active listening, you've started interacting, joining a conversation, adding value to them. But then when it comes time to, to meet, do it offline. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think that you've got to play it by ear on what the person, that's using your EQ again, on what the person likes, but you can never replace the face-to-face meeting. And we know that. And so the quicker you can get to an offline meeting, that's fantastic. Uh, and then when you do that, though, I see so many salespeople make this mistake. It used to be in the old days, the mistake that was made is they'd call and they'd talk for five minutes and then they <laughs> wouldn't leave their phone number or their name. I was on the buy side, right. like a head of marketing. And, it, and I'm like, are you crazy? I just wasted five minutes. He didn't leave him his, his number or his, his name or he said it so fast I couldn't discern it. Is that the biggest mistake I see now is, hey, do you want to grab lunch sometime? instead of like being specific about the scheduling is that you've got to make it as easy as possible for that person rather than putting the onus, what day works well for you? Well, they go, I got to go look at my calendar. I've got to have my admin look at my calendar and figure out what day works for me. Rather than if you give them a couple of dates, they can look at that specific date and see that it's open and go and grab it and go, yep, that sounds good. And the more you can space those dates out, one's probably like in the near term this week, one's maybe two weeks and one's three weeks out. You give them a bunch of options. And a lot of times if they take the three week, they might take the three-week one out uh, because they're like, oh, that's not for a while. I'll take that meeting. Or they'll take the immediate one because they know there's nothing there and nothing's going to jump on their plate. Uh, so that's why you want to give them those options. Well, and I, I love the phrase you used in the book, which I think is, is a great thing for people listening to, to remember. As you said, LinkedIn is just a way to communicate before and between real-world meetings. And it's not a substitute Exactly right. It's much more fun to be there face to face. So yeah. that's why you're in sales. Just, yeah, just <laughs> just remember these. This is a great tool. It's the world's greatest sales tool that's ever been invented, but it doesn't replace face to face. Yeah, and then sort of the last thing about about the book and LinkedIn is is you had some really great questions that yeah I think people could could easily use um, to sort of initiate conversations. One was says you know what are you most excited about in the next twelve months. And yeah, you know, it's a, a great, great discovery question. And then the other was, you know, if they've quantified a dollar value or monetary opportunity related to what they're most excited about. So do they know what they're most excited about? And then do they know what the the value is to them? Yeah, no, it's so interesting because a lot of times people go, what's your budget? And digitally, that's really tricky. They're not going to answer that. So I always like to walk them through, okay, what's what's the biggest challenge or opportunity you're facing? And then if you nailed that, what's the dollar opportunity that you think you've done with that? So they might say, hey, if we figured out how to do X, Y, and Z, I think it's like $3 million that we'll get out of it. So now you kind of know their budgets. Anything south of $3 million, if just for simplicity's sake. Sure. Uh, but also, too, is if they don't know the budget, then that's probably telling you that you're not dealing with the decision maker or, or they don't know what the opportunity is. Um, they're probably not dealing with the decision maker, or you can help them figure out what that dollar value is for that. So there's a lot of reasons why you want to ask that question. Um, and I'm a huge fan digitally of always asking thought-provoking questions to where it's going to let you stand out, and then they're going to stop and think about it. So we just entered in a, a brand new year. And so one of my things is always asking, you know, what's your word for this year? And so that's what I start a lot of emails with or have it just as part of the sentence is, do you have a word for this year? My word's empowerment. And everyone's going to stop and think about that. They're like, I don't have a word. No, they'll actually pause and think. Hmm. And they usually shoot you back a word. And now you know what their focus is if they do send you a word. And now you can be their cheerleader throughout the year to make sure they're 
holding up to that word, but every conversation from a personal standpoint, now you know where they're coming from. Uh, but most, the most important reason is it's going to give you a response because they're going to stop, think about an answer to that specific question, and they're going to send you an answer. Yeah, I mean, it, it's sort of uh, Brent Adamson who wrote the Challenger, or a co-author of the Challenger Customer Challenger Sale. You know, it says it's a great question to ask. It's fairly close to what you're talking about. Is you know, ask the customer something they should know about their business but don't. Yeah, exactly. And depend on your personality, depend on the person that's on the other end. That's where, again, you're going to use your EQ. But I'll even send like an animated image a lot of times. Instead of saying, let's grab beers, it's like, let's grab, and then you just put the beers, right. the images. Or I might say, my favorite Girl Scout cookie is, and I'll post an image of that cookie. Or if you don't want to post an image, just write out what that Girl Scout cookie is. Again, they're going to answer that question because everyone's eating a Girl Scout cookie in their life, and they all have an opinion on it. So they're going to reply back. And now you've got it now on a personal level. And it, it just makes things a lot more fun. And when you have fun, the sales are going to continue to roll in digitally. Excellent. Excellent. And so, Eric, now we're going to finish up the show. I've got some, in this segment of the show, some standard questions I ask all my guests. And this first one I've asked uh, well over 400 people of interest to get your response to it. And it's a hypothetical scenario where you, Eric, have just been hired as VP of sales at a company whose sales have stalled out. CEO is anxious to hit the reset button, do a turnaround, get back on track quickly. So what two things could you do your first week on the job that could have the biggest impact? This is a fantastic question. I love this type of the show. So this is great. And I'm going to steal from someone I interviewed in a book, Digital Leader, is I was talking to a turnaround CEO and I asked her, you know, how do you go to these companies that seem like they've got good executives before you and you come in and turn them around? And so this is going to answer your question. Sure. This is what I would do is what she does. Is I'd come in, I go, I want a list of your top 50 customers. And if they don't have that list, most of the time they do, then it shows that things are really a mess. <laughs> yes. uh, then you have to figure out how to get that. You'll, you'll have to do a little more research to get the top 50 customers. But then I actually would go and meet with them face to face and ask them two questions. Why do you buy from us? You know, what do you buy from us and why do you buy from us? You know, what do you buy from us and why do you buy from us? And you'll start to see a pattern across 80%, 80% will be the same answer. And then I'd Turn everything around those two answers. What are they buying and why are they buying? And just hyper-focus on that as much as possible. Excellent. Great answer. Okay. So now I've got a, just a handful of rapid-fire questions. Give me one-word answers if you want or you can elaborate. So the first one is when you, Eric, are out selling your services, what's your most powerful sales attribute? Our most powerful sales attribute is actually producing video, showcasing them what we actually do. Um, and so that's been... a that's been the biggest winner for us, not only me on stage, but also we've gotten into a three and 4d animation part of the business. And mm-hmm. so, and it was just by mistake, right? So I wrote social nomics, I was given a speech and I used an existing video and then I decided, you know, I need a video like this, but like specific to what I'm talking about to open up. And so I went and wrote a script and then hired a kid. I was in Boston at the time. So I got someone from uh, the local university at MIT and asked him, how much, can I give you $300 for you to produce this video? And he did. And then away we went. That thing was massively viral. And then subsequently, I've actually started a company, an animation company, and we've even done work for Disney. So a lot of times you just have kind of that dumb luck. Uh, but for us, it's definitely been video and then also testimonials. Just like any business you're in, 
every testimonial. And we make sure we ask for those the mm-hmm. moment we're done with the project or in the middle of it. Right. Because once it's over, it's so hard to get them. So we want to make sure we always have it as part of our process. We've got to get that testimonial. The more specific it is, the better. Um, and then from there, let let past partners and clients speak for us. And so that's the biggest biggest win for us, just like it is for a lot of the listeners. Excellent. Okay. So sort of who's your, if you have one, who's your sales role model? Oh man, I listen. I'll tell you who I listen to a lot. Uh, going back, I go old school. I get in there, do Zig Ziglar, mm-hmm, listen mm-hmm. to that stuff. Yep. Uh, I listen to Tony Robbins, uh, more modern day guys, like a peer who I know is a great guy. Uh, and he practices what he preaches, Gary Vaynerchuk. Yep. So he's fantastic. Um, listen to his stuff. And so those are those are the three main ones I listen to. Now, okay. I also am very religious, and it's interesting. If you look at the churches like Andy Stanley um, out there online or Brad Thomas, you'd be surprised and amazed at how digital those churches are. They're some of the most progressive when it comes to digital out there. But more importantly, when it comes to sales, if you listen to their mindset and you listen to what they're doing, mm-hmm. they're actually part of the sales process. Uh, and when you think about what they're doing when they're building these churches as well, is that they have to raise money. So they're every, everyone's in sales, right? right. The everyone's line. in sales, yep. And so if you listen to those, they share a very common theme with all the folks that I, that I already mentioned. Okay, excellent. So besides any of your own books, what one book would you recommend every salesperson read? Give and Take by Adam Grant, and it's a recent book in the last couple of years, and Adam's out of uh, Wharton, okay. but he's more of a social scientist, but he talks about, and he did a lot of research, that the more you give, the more you'll get long-term, and right. it's so that in sales, sometimes, like I mentioned earlier, we're so transactionally focused, the here and now, because we've got you know quotas to meet, but as we look at it, I'd say Adam Grant, Give and Take. Because it'll give you a nice little breather and break uh, from your normal reading of sales, traditional sales books. But I think that long term, it'll probably have the biggest impact on your bottom line. Okay. Like it. Great recommendation. Okay. Last question for you. What music is on your playlist these days? Oh, man. That's a, I, was, I am like the biggest Christmas song listening guy. <laughs> and so New Year's Eve can't come soon enough for my wife because after like 10 days, she's like, you got to stop listening to that. So <laughs> well, that's we're, yeah, we're recording at, this in early January, so it's right after the yeah, holidays, right? That's what, that's what historically is on my playlist, but I'm trying to learn Spanish. So anything that is Latin related, so Juan Ruiz Guerra, Shakira, mm-hmm. uh, Juanes. So I'm listening to uh, all Spanish music, and it's fantastic, and I'm also hopefully getting some of the language by osmosis. Excellent, excellent. Well, good. Well, now we know what uh, your word for <laughs> another word for 2017 for you is Spanish or Espanol, right? There so, you go. Uh, but when I'm at the gym, I actually do a lot of YouTube videos just around other speakers. So right. just checking out the competition and actually learning from them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's why I do this podcast is, uh, gosh, incredible learning opportunity for me. So, um, <laughs> Eric, thanks for being on the show today. So how can people connect with you and find out more about what you do? Well, it's an honor to be here. I'm very easy to find. It's my first initial last name. Sounds like a superhero, so I'm equal, equal man. man. And yeah, that, I like that's that. why I wear the the Clark Kent green glasses, is because <laughs> we think we're a superhero, at least in our own minds. And so it's equalman.com. It's equalman at equalman. Twitter at equalman. You get the point. If you look up equalman, you'll find me. All right. 
Well, Eric, again, thank you very much for being on the show. And friends, thank you for taking the time to spend with us today. Remember, make it part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. Easy way to do that is join my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Eric Qualman, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks again for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guests, visit my website at andypaul.com.